0: Welcome to Season 5 of Beta Talk, and here's a message from our sponsor, Heat Geek. We have an endemic problem in the heating industry with only compliance being valued, not competence. Most training courses are simply pay to pass, focusing narrowly on the specific heat source and do very little to engage the learner or explain the fundamentals. In actual fact, the key for successful transition to low carbon heating lies in system design not training on the heat source system design is the main difference between hundred and fifty percent and five hundred fifty percent efficiency for a heat pump for example not the heat pump selection heat geeks heating mastery is the missing piece of the puzzle consulting with beta teach heating mastery actively engages the learner into the peer-to-peer learning process for their continued development while teaching high level advanced low temperature heating design and hydronics to absolutely maximise efficiencies from all technologies, not only will this lower carbon from households and businesses, but greatly help with gaining public support of heat pumps and other renewable technology. Heat Geek's goal to renew the heating industry. And now for the show. So, welcome to another episode of Beta Talk. Today it's just me, uh, unfortunately for you, so obviously we'll be having some guests very shortly. And today I want to talk about modulation and why it's so important, because we've got something going on in this country at the moment which is not good enough, basically. So we've had, we all know that the prices of fuel have risen, and that's affecting the poorest of uh, our poor in society, and the fuel poor and fuel poor is you know quite something that's important to me uh, I grew up uh, for some of the 70s at least uh, quite fuel poor as a lot of people did in the 70s I imagine you know lots of us didn't have central heating and I remember dad not always being able to afford the coal um, that was getting delivered um, l- luckily for us I think dad always gave them a big Christmas tip so I don't really know how it worked back in them days I think you could uh Get your delivery and then pay over pay pay them over a certain amount of time but yeah we we went cold uh, as a lot of you would have done, I imagine in the 60s 70s as well um, so it's a bit it's quite close to my heart fuel poor it 's not nice being cold um, I'm quite supportive of the the charity the national energy action, but I think they could be doing a lot lot more. I think they need to really look into what's been going on with uh, boilers going into properties of um the fuel poor people and things like the eco scheme energy companies obligation and i made a few comments on twitter recently and that was picked up by the bbc and the telegraph so they've been chatting to me and we've got this we've got this clever technology um you know boilers modulate and we're going to talk about that obviously and it's not they're not being installed so they do modulate so they're being installed where they're actually not that efficient for the for the, for the homeowner, and of course now these these prices have gone up, that's, that's affecting people in, in a big, big way. And it's, uh, you know, s- someone somewhere or some, so, uh, some organisation is actually culpable for that. Uh, you know, if you look at the housing associations and the councils, you know, they usually will, let's be honest, um, obtain their And What do I mean by supply? I mean someone providing the service, you know, the contractors that are going to be putting this stuff in, uh, they usually go by price. You know the cheapest price, um, and now that we've got this really high fuel prices, that's not good for the people living in them homes. So what's been going on? So I need to recap some stuff. I'm going to recap what temperature is and what energy is. Um, lots of you uh, are used to the word temperature, and you'll use words like Celsius, which obviously was who um, cool. was that? that Swedish, Swedish Anders Celsius. Came up with that back in the seventeen hundreds, some at some point. Um, we sometimes call that centigrade. Centi meaning a hundred, cent meaning a hundred. Grades kind of meaning a gradient. I imagine centigrade means a hundred uh, degrees between zero uh, um, freezing point and boiling point. I think that's why it's called centigrade. So you've got these these hundred gradients, hundred degree gradients between uh, freezing and boiling point. But you know, we know it's a Celsius. Obviously, uh, people were talking Kelvin. Um, which is minus 273.15 Celsius, so pretty cold. Everything stops at absolute zero. Uh, anything above absolute zero, though, is energy, um, which is what we utilise when we're using heat pumps, of course. So even if it's minus 20 outside, there's plenty of energy there. You just know, need to know how to capture it. So temperature and energy have a relationship, um, but they aren't the same thing. So temperatures uh, the average kinetic energy of... Um, the, the particles in a substance, uh, whereas energy will be the total kinetic energy of them particles. So that's sometimes some people think of it as miles per hour for temperature. So like the particles whizzing around, how quickly are they whizzing around that's your temperature miles per hour, and then how many of them particles are whizzing around? You how many have you got in there? Uh, that's kind of your energy. And so if you think of a candle, heat geek sort of has described it as a candle, which will burn a, around about a thousand degrees celsius but of course you can't heat up a room with that Uh, even though you've got high temperature uh, there's not enough particles there's not enough energy Um, so there's obviously a relationship but there's obviously a difference and when we're talking about energy heat energy it's moving it moves from a high temperature to a low temperature and there's an easy way to think of that if you think of gravity as well so if you put a tennis ball or or a bowling ball, temping bowling ball on a slide, what's it gonna do? It's gonna roll down, down being the operative word. It rolls from a high place to a low place. That's exactly what heat does. It moves from a high place, a high temperature, to a low temperature. The only way you can get it to go the other way is with a pump. That's why it's called heat pump. That's why it frustrates me when people try and come up with different names for heat pumps. They've been called heat pumps for years. Just leave it alone. Uh, You don't have to be clever. You'd have to think of all these marketing tactics. It's a heat pump, because it's pumping energy in the opposite way it should be going. And if you think about that slide, if you make it a very, very steep slide, the ball will roll quicker. Okay, it will roll quicker if there's a greater difference uh, in height, or the ratio is greater from, uh, and steeper. And that's the same thing with heat. If I've got a greater gradient of temperature, uh, the heat will move quicker. So what do I mean by that? Well, let's say we want our room inside at 20 degrees. That's kind of what we design it to be, 20 degrees. If um, it's zero outside, the heat is, is obviously moving because there's a difference. You know, 20 to zero is a difference of 20. So heat's moving. But if it was minus 20 outside, the heat is going to move quicker because the difference is greater now. There's a higher gradient. There's 40 degrees difference. Okay, so that's it's that's very important because... As you can probably appreciate, the temperature outside is constantly changing, which means the heat energy in our home is constantly changing the speed of how it moves through the fabric, and this is why modulate. It's modulating, and this is why modulation is important. You know, heat pumps modulate, but that doesn't mean people control them like that. I've, I've heard some recent horror stories where they've got fixed temp, and nearly all our boilers are going in at fixed temperature rather than modulating to to the power demand of what our actual home needs, what our rooms need. And this is why it's crucial because you're not going to get efficiency unless you're modulating your heat source uh, related to the modulating outside temperature. Obviously, at night time, the temperature drops. Um, it's, It's changing all the time. So when we design a system, when we design a heating system, we design it to the average coldest day. Now the average temperature of winter i think it's either five or seven i can never remember let's say it's seven the average day in winter is seven degrees but the average coldest day is is around minus three it's minus 1.8 in london it different it differs around the country i think it's minus five up scotland and minus three in a lot of other places and that's it It doesn't mean it's the coldest ever day possible we don't design our hint systems to be able to cope the coldest day ever possible because that. would be problematic because we'd have oversized systems and they wouldn't be efficient. So we design it to the average coldest day. And so I wanna make sure I've got enough power um, to heat my home uh, when it's minus three. We call the that average outside uh, coldest day dot, capital D, capital O, capital T dot, design outside temperature. Some people call it uh, ODT, outside design temperature. So that's what we're designing it to and what that means is and it means that um i don't always need that power and i just want to explain what, what do i mean by power so you might hear me or someone say my home needs eight kilowatts dot so it means i need eight kilowatts when it's a design outside temperature of uh, minus three and I want my room inside to be 20 degrees it's minus three outside so let's say I've calculated one of the rooms to be a kilowatt so I've got this eight kilowatt total let's say I've got eight rooms and they're all a kilowatt each so my home needs eight kilowatts of power when it's minus three outside that's 8,000 joules per second why is it per second because there's this speed thing isn't there? heat is moving there's a speed thing how quick is it moving so each, let's say each individual room needs one kilowatt. That's 1,000 watts. Now, it ne- only needs that when it's minus three. If it was, let's say, um, zero degrees, it would need 870 watts. All right, so at minus three, it needs a kilowatt. That's what I'm designing. I'm designing everything. Remember, when I look at my radiator catalogue, I'm designing it to this outside temperature dot and... I know that I need uh, a a thousand watts in this room so I need a thousand watt a radiator that can cope with giving me enough power uh, a thousand watts when it's minus three but if it was zero I'd only need 870 watts into the room if it was around five degrees outside I'd only need 652 watts into that room and I think if it was ten degrees outside I'd only need 435 watts into the room now, if you want to know how I work that out, by the way, that will be part of my bonus episode. So if you want to know about the heat and transfer coefficient and how I can work out the different temp, uh, different watts I would need at different temperatures, that's going to be in the bonus episode. And if you look in the show notes, you'll be able to see my Patreon link. Click on that and it'll tell you what to do. Um, so, you can, so if I only need this um, less power when it's 10 degrees outside... I can actually now have lower flow temps going to my radios. This is fantastic for heat pumps because obviously the lower your flow temp, the lower we call that the sink, the lower the flow temp to the radio is, that's your sink temperature. And the closer that is to your source temperature, remember an air source, the source of energy for an air source, heat pump is this is the air. And the closer you get them to temperatures, the more efficient your heat pump will heat pump will be. And in a, in a condensing boiler. The lower you get your flow temperatures, the more it will condense and, and the more fuel you will save. So it makes sense that our boilers modulate. So if it's 10 degrees outside, it doesn't need to have this super-duper high flame um, you know, heating the water up to a higher temperature. You know The temperature outside is always changing. That means our temperature of flow to the radiators can change. That is what all boilers should be doing. And unfortunately, that's not what's going on. They're going in with fixed flow temperatures, usually uh, out of the box around about 70 degrees, which is ridiculous, you know, especially in these new homes, So these, especially with social housing, they've done with these new homes. You know, they've probably only got about a four kilowatt demand when it's minus three. And you've got these massive combi boilers going in. And yes, they do have to be quite big to instantaneously heat the hot water to your tap. If you the trouble is some of these boilers, I mean all all, all manufacturers make really make good boilers. I won't say really good, but they make good boilers. But they also make a lot of crap as well, and most of the people don't know what, how to distinguish the crap between the good. And one of the things that makes a boiler good is its modulation ratio. Now, how how much can it modulate down? And you've got boilers going in. We had Kim on the show not so long ago, and he said about how ideal actually were designing the systems for for a big house builder and they were putting in boilers that could only modulate down to 7.5 kilowatt when the home only needs 4 kilowatt when it's minus 3. So most of the the winter it probably only needs about 2 kilowatt and yet the boilers can't modulate down low enough. This is a ridiculous situation so someone needs to look at this, someone needs to look Well, what boilers are going into these homes, especially with these eco-schemes. You know, what's the point of having an eco-scheme and you're saying, oh, we're giving you an efficient heating system when it's not that efficient, or well, it's not as efficient as it could be? And, of course, that's, that's costing people money. That will cost people lives. You know as well as I do. People commit suicide when they get into uh, uh, to trouble with money. And the fact that these have been going in wrong is, is, is tragic. And the thing is with modulation, the other thing is you need a control the right control to be able to modulate that boiler to make it go down. So you need something to be able to sense the temperature. Sometimes that's weather compensation. There is different ways of doing it. And you need your wall stat to also be able to say to the boiler, look, I, you know, you, the temperature outside is quite mild. We don't need a big, big flame. We don't need all this flow temperature, really, really hot flow temperature going to the radiators. So that's another thing that's going on in this industry. And this is why I get so frustrated with marketing. Look look at, um, now. I will mention them, British Gas, they, I don't know what's been going on, I don't watch the news. But the Telegraph was trying to get hold of me yesterday about British gas, something to do with British gas, um, got a shortage of engineers or something, and they have. And they own or they sell Hive thermostats. What a load of rubbish that is! So, yes, it looks nice. Yes, you can turn it on with your mobile phone. Yes, it's got geofencing. So, yes, lots of people that aren't used to turning their thermostats on with their phone. Uh, find it quite cool, and think it's a cool gadget. It's an on-off thermostat. It cannot modulate your boiler. There are ones out there that can modulate your boiler. I think they're the DeTimo, the Nest, um, Tardo. But the Hive can't. So what's the point of having a modulating boiler if your thermostat can't actually control it to modulate? So what does that actually mean, in an on-off thermostat? Well, a good analogy is a car. So you get in your car, you're going to go to, from A to B, I don't know, let's say, uh, I don't know, London to Scotland. And you get in your car, you boot it, you put your accelerator down, uh, you get to top speed as quick as possible, and then you brake. And you brake to a standstill stop. And then you do that again. You put your foot down, accelerate to top speed as quick as you can, and then you brake. Now, you know as, well as I do, you're going to use a lot of fuel. Now, if you got in your car and you did a nice steady 56 uh, miles an hour from A to B, you use less fuel. And this is what's going on with an on-off stat and a boiler that's set too high. So if a boiler's been set at 70 degrees, what happens is you're in your, in your lounge, you've got your thermostat wall stat, you've set it to 20. And it drops. The temperature in the room drops because obviously, let's say, the temperature outside's dropping. I mean, the, the heat's going to be moving through the fabric anyway. Remember, heat always moves if there's a temperature difference. If it's colder outside than 20 degrees, the heat's going to move. And so your thermostat says, oh, turn the boiler on You know, I need some heat so the boiler fires up and it's, and, it's, and it then puts all this temperature out at 70 degrees so it heats the room up really quickly it's heating the room up really quickly because we've got 70 degree water flowing to our radiators and remember heat moves quicker if there's a bigger temperature difference so there's a bigger difference between seventy degree water in your radiator and the twenty degrees in your room. There's a fifty degree difference. So the heat comes, goes into your room quite quickly. Everyone thinks, "Oh, lovely, nice hot radiators," but they then do switch off. You probably don't realise it, but your thermostat says, "Well, I'm now up to twenty. The room's up to twenty. Turn the boiler off." So the boiler turns off, and you know you you don't really feel that or, that it's been turned off. The, the rads are still, the water's still kind of pumping around the rads a little bit, and Over over a bit of time, the temperature drops in the room. Your thermostat says, oh, I've dropped again. I need to turn that boiler on. So the boiler comes on again. Full pelt, you know, at 70 degrees. I mean, it does ramp up slightly to get to that, but it goes full pelt for 70 degrees into your rads. And it's doing this all the time. On, off, on, off, on, off. Now, we've been having a campaign where you can turn your boiler temperature down. So some people have now been turning that max flow temperature down. So that's a good thing. You're going to start to save money. That's a bit more efficient. So you might have a max temp now of 55 going to your radiators. But with an on-off thermostat, you've still got the same situation. It gets up to 55, goes off. It's up to 55, goes off. Whereas really, a bit like the card, in a nice steady state, you can, if you've got modulation controls, control the temperature of the water going to your radiators. So remember, if it was... Um, Minus three outside. I'm going to probably need quite a hotter. You know, I might have set it to 55. So I need that's when I got the 55 degree going to the water, to the radiator. But if it's uh, you know zero, you know I don't need that 1,000 watts now. I only need it 870. So I can I can drop my temperature, and then once it gets it gets up to five, I only need 652 watts into the room, so I can drop the temperature going to the radiator. You know, and it's modulating. It's a, it's a lovely ebb and flow. And all borders can do this, all borders can do this, and there's plenty of controls out there that can do it. The trouble is, we've got this overcrowded heating market who are hell-bent on selling you stuff. And we've got to a situation where they sold so much stuff in this country, they have to keep selling stuff. And of course, we haven't got a planet now that wants us to keep selling stuff. That's not sustainable. So some of these companies will fall. So, you know, your big, big boiler companies, the big four obviously being Ideal, Bosch, Bosch, Valent and Baxi, you know, they drop a certain percentage point in certain sales, um, they're going to fall. And that's why they've got all these loyalty schemes. They've all got loyalty schemes to incentivise you to put boilers on the wall. So the good engineers out there that know how to repair boilers, and, and, you know, it's a really fantastic industry. And I, I do get a little bit upset when people, you know, we need to get off gas, but you have to remember... These good gas engineers for years and years have kept people alive. So, you know, I won't mention it, but there is a famous supplier who uh, it's obviously got in their sort of Twitter banner, you know, gas sucks. Yeah, it does. Let's get off of it. But you've got to remember, engineers like my dad left the dinner table even on Christmas Day to get out to the old people midwinter. You know, and sometimes that would take my dad hours to get through these villages. He covered 176 villages. You imagine when they got snowed in. He'd leave the table... Mum would be worried sick all through the night, because it would probably take him about four hours to get to a place, you know, he knew the customers would be elderly, he had to get there to get their heating on, and he could, you know, he could repair any oil boiler, bar none, and no mobile phones back then, he could have creered off in, we got some big, big ditches in Norfolk, you know, you career off into there in your van, with you know, laden down with weight, that was a big way, mum worried basically every night in the winter, same as lots of wives and, 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 and husbands of the women out there maybe doing it, and so when we de when we're de- uh, demonifying, can't even pronounce it, but when we're demonising this fuel, you do have to remember that there's been engineers out there that have given their life to saving other people, getting their heat on. You know, if you get, you know, my dad retired at seventy. What's he now? Seventy six. He retired two years ago for COVID. He was he had customers old enough to be his parents, and he retired at seventy four. Um, you know that people will die if they haven't got heat. So you've got you've got this situation where these gas engineers, they are peeved off with all these people going on and on and on about how gas is this and gas and that. Yes, yes, we know. We know it's not right to burn it anymore. But you've got to be a little bit gentle how you approach it. Uh, you know, I think what's happened is you've got a lot of engineers now are really sort of getting a bit peeved off about, about the whole situation. You know, they've been doing a good job. They've been keeping people warm. Not all of them have been doing a good job, we know. Uh, a lot of them out there exploiting people. You've got, like I say, we've got this ridiculous situation where uh, these big companies are incentivising people to put boilers on the wall. Surveillance so have just flown people out to Switzerland. Uh, you know, my mate's just been out there. So if you put so many boilers on the wall, they'll fly you out. Ideal do that. They fly people on holidays if you, if you put so many boilers on the wall. So it's a crazy situation, and you can't blame the engineer for wanting to go on these holidays, you just can't. You know, there's a tough life out there for a lot of them. Um, So we're in a pickle. But what we need to do is get these boilers modulating. It's stupid, and we've got Eco4 coming up. It's stupid if these boilers are going to go in that don't modulate. It's stupid if the radiators aren't sized properly, where they can get to some really nice low temperatures, become heat pump ready. Um, It's really stupid if you stick things like high thermostats on the wall that can't modulate the boiler. I mean, what's that all about? I mean, they've got just make it so it can modulate the boiler, simple. Um it's not rocket science. Um we've got to get this right and I think some studies need to be going and we need to be going into these homes that have had all these eco boilers. Some eco boilers have been replaced under the next iteration of the eco scheme. And it's stupid. You know, they've been going, you know, been in 5 years, they've got replaced that's not efficient. So I hope that sort of uh, made you understand a little bit about modulation. Of course, with a with a heat pump, a heat pump modulates. So I've not really done an episode on how heat pumps work, but if you, I'll, I'll give you a little brief bit now. But you've got a refrigerant. Let's say it's R42, R410A. Now I can't remember, but I think 410A boils at something like minus 50. Don't quote me on that, but it boils at a very low temperature. Now, when that refrigerant is in the evaporator, which is the bit outside, it's kind of in two phases. It's called a liquid vapor, and it's boiling away, boiling away. As it leaves the evaporator, it's now a total vapor, so fully vapor. It goes into the compressor, gets compressed, and that's what makes it hotter. And people use the analogy of a bike pump. If you use your bike pump, you can feel the heat uh, with your hand on the pump. So we compress that. Now, it. It depends what the temperature is outside, how much you want to compress it. That's modulation, and we've heard these things called inverter-driven uh, compressors. So if it's really, really cold outside, you're going to, your compressor is going to use more electrical energy to compress that more, to get that refrigerant uh, to hot it for when it goes to your condenser coil. So we've got modulation um, compressors now. We never used to have. They used to be a fixed speed. Uh, and so your, your heat pumps modulate. Now, You've got to really look at the spec on a heat pump because they, uh, you know, the compressor has a modulation ratio, and as someone found out uh, the other day, and, and, and someone like Steve Webster's known this for years. I mean, if you get a Mitsubishi uh, Mitsubishi six kilowatt, um, it will have the same compressor in it as an eight point five kilowatt Mitsubishi. So the compressor in the same compressor in a six kilowatt can modulate down sort of a mod, a, a, a better ratio than the same compressor in a eight point five kilowatt. So you have to really look at the spec for these heat pumps, and I, and I know it is confusing people, and it is confusing. But um, but with these boilers, with this eco scheme, with modulation, yep, we've got the campaign going on for turn your boiler temp down, and then and, and then sort of the next stage or the next step is like get these get these things modulating. Now, the big problem is the boilers aren't that good at modulating some of them. Uh, like I say, all boiler manufacturers make quite good good stuff, but they also make crap. And a lot of the engineers don't know which is which. And you consumers, the poor old consumer, definitely doesn't know which is which. And yet, let's face it, the poor people in charge of energy at housing associations and local authorities, they don't know which is crap. But you've got to know. You've got to start look, looking and, and working it out because you know there's poor people out there that are becoming poorer and poorer and poorer. And as we know, some people will, um, unfortunately, do do the worst things. Imagine when when they've got no money, and it's critical. And you know, it's a problem that could be solved uh, or made better. I'm not saying it could be solved, but you know, if we get these boilers working properly, uh, we can make it better. Now, if you want the bonus episode of how we size radiators uh, to have low flow temperature, because we use factors, we use like factor one, factor two, factor three, factor four. Um, Depending on what flow temperature, depending on what metal paint is, uh, what type of paint is on the radiator. Um, If you want to know how we size radiators for different flow temperatures, because when you look in a radiator catalogue, so let's say, uh, actually, I won't mention any names because they're doing rubbish work at the moment. But if you look in a radiator catalogue, most radiators, I think nowadays, are tested for their power output with a flow temp of 75. A return temp of 65 and they with a delta t of 50 so what they what they what they're designing they, your room temperature is 20 and they want to know how much power output will go into your room to get it to 20 with a mean uh, water temperature of 70 so if you've got fl- if you've got a flow temperature of 75 and your return temperature is 65 your mean water temperature is 70. that's your mean water temperature of the radiator 70 degrees and then you've got another difference. You've got the difference between that 70 and the 20, what you want your room to be. And that difference is 50. So we call these radiators Delta, Delta T 50 radiators. So when you look in a catalogue, and let's say, because I wanted my 1 kilo, kilowatt radiator for that room that needs a kilowatt minus 3, I'll look in the catalogue and, you know, different sizes, different shapes. Oh, look, there's one that's uh, 1,000 watts. That's the one I want but that's with a dt of 50 that's with this mean wall temperature of 70 and a, and the room temperature. Now I might think, "oh I've got a lot of wall space here. I could actually have a bigger radiator and I want actually ideally to have a flow temp not 75 going into the rad but 55. And then we can start to use these different factors to work out the size of the rad. And that's what I'll be uh helping people know and understand on the episode that's going to be a bonus episode uh for the patreon listeners so if you click on uh in in the show notes there'll be the patreon link and you in the next few sort of days you'll be able to get get that extra episode so i hope you've enjoyed this sort of episode obviously you can hear i'm a little bit passionate about this a little bit frustrated because we have had an industry that's been getting away it's been caught with its pants down uh, trousers down (laughs) where the expression is you know it's it's Paul has been going in willy-nilly. No one's uh, given a, a sod about how they've gone in. I don't want engineers blamed. I don't want engineers blamed because, yeah, there are some crap engineers out there who don't care, but the majority or a lot of them do. But, of course, how can they compete? If they've got some idiot down the road charging really, really pro- low prices or in the city or in the town and you know it, the prices have been driven to rock bottom, they kind of have to survive. They can't go in and put you in a quote for, yeah, I'm going to survey the property, I'm going to commission it, I'm going to clean it properly and run it You know, I'm £600 pound more than Joe Blocks down the road. Even the most affluent in our society, trust me, genuinely will go for the cheapest price for a boiler. That's kind of always what's been happening. It needs to change, and it, that's, it needs to change for heat pumps. But we do need to get these modul- boilers modulating. So they need low temperatures, modulating them. Any new homes need to be built with this in mind. They need to be built with to be heat pump ready. So, you know, the, the sort of without looking completely stupid, you need sort of the biggest radiators you can have. And we need to sort this out. Thank you for listening to Beta Talk. Heatgeek.com and their YouTube channel are free online resources for anything in the heating industry, but specifically in low carbon and ultra efficient heating. Aimed at research heavy consumers, heating engineers, policymakers and those researching the technical side of the industry, it is designed to promote the efficiencies of low temperature heating and understanding of hydronic system design in a simple to understand way. For far too long the technical side of our industry has resorted to long drawn out technical papers written from an academic point of view and in an academic language. HeatGeek breaks down this barrier into more palatable information and crucially also updates it how modern systems work, which currently seems to be lacking from other resources. Heat Geek's goal to renew the heating industry.